Matthew 23, verses 29 through 35. Again, we've been reading this. This is our Lord speaking. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. And you say, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we wouldn't have taken part with them in shedding the prophets' blood. You therefore testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's sins. Snakes, brood of vipers, how can you escape being condemned to Gehenna, hell? This is why I am sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and hound from town to town. So all the righteous blood shed on the earth will be charged to you from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. We'll go ahead and read verse 36. I assure you, all these things will come on this generation. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. If you remember back in the last couple of lessons when we went through verses 29 through 33, we talked about how the scribes and the Pharisees were big on monuments and decorating the tombs of holy men, prophets. And they would say that if we lived back in the time of the Old Testament, if we lived back at the time of the prophet Elijah or the prophet Elisha or other prophets of Yahweh, some of them that are even unnamed in the Old Testament, we would not have been in on killing the prophets. We talked about in 1 Kings 19 and also in Nehemiah chapter 9 and Jeremiah chapter 2, I went through several passages, and I think even some in Chronicles as well, several passages where it was always brothers killing brothers. There was enmity among the household of the nation of Israel. Rebellious Israelites killing, faithful, murdering, faithful Israelites. Some of Yahweh's prophets did die. They were martyred because they would preach repentance. And Yahweh was always tender and merciful. Remember Nehemiah 9. He was very forgiving because every time the Israelites would come back and repent and confess, he would take them back again. And then they would just rehearse the same thing over again. They would go back and sin again, spite in Yahweh's face. And then they would repent. They would confess. And he would what? He would take them back again until finally one day, and we're going to get to this in the weeks to come, finally one day Yahweh had enough with the house of Israel, the northern tribes of Israel, and he said, it's just too much. I'm going to divorce you and sift you amongst the heathens. Exactly what he promised to do in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 in the cursings given by the man Moses to the nation of Israel. So Yeshua is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees who are descendants of those rebellious Israelites. And he tells them, basically, you're liars. You're pretenders. You're play actors. You're hypocrites. I know if you lived back then, you would have been in on killing the prophets. And the reason I know is because of how you act now. You say one thing and you do another. He even went so far as to call them snakes in verse 33. And in verse 34, which is our verse tonight, he says, this is why I am sending you. I want you to notice the pronouns there. Yeshua is speaking here. He says, this is why I am sending you, talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and hound from town to town. That's an interesting translation by the HCSB there, hound from town to town, like a bloodhound. Literally, the Greek word means persecute. Hound is not a bad translation. It just kind of is more uh, interactive, I guess you'd say. So Yeshua here says, I'm going to send you, scribes and Pharisees, prophets, Sages, sages is wise men, means wise men, and scribes. Scribes, it's interesting that he mentions scribes. This is obviously righteous scribes in comparison to the wicked ones that he's been rebuking this whole chapter. 
Notice that Yeshua sends prophets, wise men, and scribes to the scribes and Pharisees he's been rebuking. And that proves, again, that they're Israelites. These scribes and Pharisees, every one of them in this chapter, are all Israelites, and we know that another proof in this verse is that Yeshua sends prophets and holy men to them. We're going to show the application of this verse in Matthew 10 here momentarily. It's kind of interesting because normally Yahweh is the one that sends prophets. Remember in the parable of the vineyard? The parable of the vineyard in Matthew 21 where we had the landowner, that represented Yahweh. Then we had the tenant farmers, which represented Israel throughout the centuries and specifically the chief priests and Pharisee elders. And Yahweh would send his servants, his slaves, to the tenant farmers, and the slaves represented the prophets. But they would always treat the slaves bad. And then finally Yahweh said, well, I'll send my son. They'll respect my son. But what did they do to the son? They killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And, of course, they would be judged for that. But Yahweh is the one that sent those prophets. And Yahweh, the Father, is the one that sent his son in the parable of the vineyard. But here it's kind of peculiar because Yeshua, the Messiah, the son of Yahweh, is talking and he says, I am sending you, talking to the scribes and Pharisees, prophets, sages, and scribes. Now, we could understand this in one sense. Yahweh ultimately does all the sending, and he can use an emissary like Yeshua to fulfill that. And so Yahweh can still be sending these prophets through the agency of Yeshua. But I think the best way to understand this is in Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. And I think we're going to see a parallel in Matthew 10 to Matthew 23, 34. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Summoning his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. Here we have authority given. Notice Yeshua here summoning his twelve disciples. Disciples mean students or pupils. Okay? He's giving them authority So he lays upon them an authority, and it's an authority to cast out unclean spirits and also to heal sickness and disease. So he gives them, just like Yahweh had given him authority, he now gives his emissaries or his students authority. Verse 2, these are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, or more correctly, Yehuda Ishkarioth, Yehuda the man from Kirioth, who also betrayed him. Look at verse 5. Yeshua sent out these twelve after giving them instructions. Matthew 23, 34, Yeshua says, I am sending, the Greek word there is apostello, where we get the word apostle, meaning to somebody that is sent. Here in Matthew 10, verse 5, Yeshua sent out, same Greek word, apostello, these 12 disciples. The prophets, wise men, and scribes that Yeshua was sending to the chief priests, Pharisees, and wicked scribes are his 12 disciples. Matthew 10 explains Matthew 23, verse 34. Now, some people may say, well, what about Judas? Well, According to this passage, Judas was given just as much authority as the other 11 disciples, according to this text. I know he later betrayed, the text even says, and Yehuda Yehuda Ishkarioth, who also betrayed him, he betrayed him later on. But at this point, according to this passage, he was given that authority to heal sickness, disease, and cast out unclean spirits. So at this time, he is a holy man in that regard. So Yeshua sent out these twelve after giving them instruction. This is one of those passages, and there's many of them in the Bible. I mentioned this the last time I taught. And I talked about how that all of the Bible is written for us, but not all the Bible is written to us. Now, we can read this chapter in Matthew chapter 10, and we can make some principal application for our lives today. But we don't need to go to Matthew chapter 10 and, and 
pray and say, Yahweh, I want you to show, show me what this chapter means to me, means for me in my life. No, that's not how to study the Bible. How you study the Bible is to say, Yahweh, open my eyes to understand what this chapter means in its original context. And in, in its original context, this entire chapter is spoken to 12 men, the disciples, the personal disciples and students of Christ. Now we can, again, we can make principles and applications secondarily to our lives today. We can learn things from the text. But it's specifically about Yeshua sending out his personal peoples, his personal students. And what does he tell them in verse 5? He gives them instructions. Don't take the road leading to other nations and don't enter any Samaritan town. Verse 6, instead go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. These are lost Israelites. Israelites who are not serving Yahweh. Some of them may think that they know the Father, but they reject the Son. And the Bible says if you reject the Son, you have not the Father. Matthew 10 verse 6 proves that the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23 again are Israelites. Because Yeshua sent these twelve to who? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 23, 34, I am sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Proves again the scribes and Pharisees are rebellious Israelites in Matthew 23. Verse 7, As you go, announce this, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, drive out demons. You have received free of charge, give free of charge. That's a far cry from the TBN pastors today, isn't it? If you want to be healed, come to the healing seminar under the tent, give some seed money, and be healed. And, of course, Yeshua here with his 12 disciples, they actually did all these things. When you read the book of Acts, I challenge you, if you have never read it, or even if you have read it, go back and read it again. I'm sure you have a deeper understanding now than the last time you read the book of Acts. When you read the book of Acts, you see that the 12 disciples did all of these things that Yeshua gave them authority to do. They did heal the sick. They did raise the dead. They did cleanse skin diseases. They did drive out demons. And they had freely received from Yeshua. And you know what? They freely gave. There's a man in Acts chapter 3 that had been lame from birth. And Peter walked up to the temple steps and healed the man. Never asked for any offering or quote-unquote seed money from the man. He just healed the man. The man was a beggar. He was looking for money himself. But Peter said, I don't have any money to give. No silver to give, no gold to give. But I'm, I'm going to give you what I have. And it was a healing. And the man walked and leaped and praised Yahweh and went through the temple and said, look what's happened to me. <laughs> That's because the disciples freely received and they freely gave. Beautiful. Don't take along gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Very low-budget ministry. The disciples were low-budget. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a walking stick for the worker is worthy of his food. Now this shows you that they did receive compensation when it was offered to them. We're going to see here in the next few verses that they would go to houses in the towns of Israel. And if the house welcomed them there... Yeshua said, you eat and drink what they give you because a laborer is worthy for his work. And they were working in the spiritual realm. And so when, when the people of the house offered them food, they received it. They didn't have to pay for it. They received it. That was compensation for what they did. They didn't go around asking or begging for it, but they did receive it when people offered. Verse 11, Yeshua is still talking to his 12 disciples. When you enter any town or village... Find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it, and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. Now, what households are they going to? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. The towns of Israel. We're going to see it calls it the towns of Israel here in this chapter. Verse 14, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words... Shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. I assure you it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. What town? The town then that they were going to. Some towns would not receive 
the twelve disciples of, of Christ. And if they wouldn't, they were to leave and shake the dust off their feet. And Yeshua said, judgment on judgment day, it will be easier for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. That's a powerful statement. Because we know it wasn't easy for Sodom and Gomorrah. But Yeshua says the judgment will be worse for the town of Israel that does not receive you as my disciples. Do you know why it will be worse? Look, same chapter, look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Yeshua is still talking to them, the whole chapter is to the twelve disciples. The one who welcomes you welcomes me. Now what does that mean? The flip side of that, positive, negative, that means the one who does not welcome you does not welcome me. That's the principle of agency. The disciples were agents of Christ. And as agents of Christ, if a house or a town did not receive them, they were in essence rejecting Christ. Then look what he says. And the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Who's that? That's the Father. And the negative of that is the one who does not welcome me does not welcome the one who sent me. The Father. Matthew 10, verse 40. Principle of agency. Verse 16. This is where we're going to get into a big parallel to Matthew 23. Look at this. Still talking to the twelve disciples. Look. I'm sending you. What is Matthew 23, 34? What does he tell the scribes and Pharisees? I am sending you. Prophets, sages, and scribes. This is where he did it. Matthew 10, 16. Look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Why does he say this here? It's the same thing as 1 Kings 19. Because there were Judahites or Israelites who were rebellious to the ways and the plan of Yahweh, Yeshua typifies them here as a wolf that does what to a sheep? Attacks and kills a sheep. And he says, look, there's going to be, basically there's going to be persecution. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd or wise as serpents, crafty as serpents, but be as harmless as doves. Why? Verse 17. Because people will hand you over to the Sanhedrins, not you, you, in here in this church, them you, the disciples. People will hand you over to the Sanhedrins. The Sanhedrins was the Judahite civil council of the day that pronounced judgments upon people for crimes. People will hand you over to the Sanhedrins and flog you in their synagogues. Beware of them. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the nations. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you should speak. For you will be given what to say at that hour because you are not speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you, still talking to the twelve disciples. All of these things happened to the disciples in the book of Acts. They were brought before Sanhedrin. They were flogged in the synagogues. Everything that Yeshua prophesied here and predicted, including the persecution, happened in the book of Acts. Verse 21 shows you that it's brothers murdering brothers. Verse 21 says, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will even rise up against their parents and have them put to death. This is talking about hostility within the nation of Israel. A man's enemies will be they of his own household. You know, Yeshua actually says that here in this chapter. Look at Matthew 10, verse 34 through 36. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his dad, a daughter against her mom, a daughter-in-law against her mom-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Who is persecuting the disciples? Members of their own household. Scribes, Pharisees, chief priests, and elders. Verse 22, you will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. The chief priests, scribes, and Pharisees did not believe that Yeshua was the Messiah. 
They did not believe he was the master that Yahweh sent, the one sent by Yahweh, the son of Yahweh. So therefore, when the disciples came proclaiming, this Yeshua of Nazareth is the promised Messiah, the disciples were hated for the Messiah's name. But, Yeshua says, the one who endures to the end will be delivered. Not the end of time as we know it, but probably the end of their life. The one who endures to the end, speaking to the disciples, is talking about the one who keeps the faith of Christ even when they're persecuted to the point of death. Think about it. Imagine standing there that day, you're one of the twelve personal disciples of Christ, and he looks at you and he tells you, if you endure to the end, you'll be delivered. You'll be saved. Not the end of time. The end of your life. If you don't deny me all the way until the point that you die, you'll be delivered. Just like Brother Stephen in Acts chapter 7, 51 through 60. When as they were stoning Stephen, Israelites, rebellious Israelites who had been given the law, Stephen says, were stoning Stephen, he saw the heavens open and he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Almighty. And when he said that, they closed their ears and they grit their teeth and they gnashed upon him and they threw stones at him. But he prayed, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Stephen endured to the end. And Stephen will be in the consummated kingdom in the future. Just like Yeshua predicted here. Verse 23, When they persecute you in one town, escape to another. For I assure you, you will not have covered the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Now that's a verse that you don't hear talked about a lot. According to this passage, brothers and sisters, Yeshua, talking to his disciples, tells his disciples that they won't finish going through the towns of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Now, that should let us know that every time we see something about the coming of the Son of Man in the Bible, it's not talking about the second physical coming that's yet future. It can't be. Because Yeshua promised his disciples that the Son of Man would come before they finished going through the towns of Israel. Now, if that doesn't fit into our eschatology, our doctrine of last things, we might need to readjust our eschatology. The Son of Man would come before the disciples would finish going through the towns of Israel. I'll get more into that in a future lesson. Hopefully that wets your whistle. Verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they call the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? What this is saying is simply this. If you watch how they treat me, the master, your teacher and your master, that's how they're going to treat you. And if they call me the head of the house, Yeshua is saying, Beelzebul, which is an epithet for the devil or for Satan, it's a derogatory slam against him. If they call me that, then what do you think they're going to do to you? You're my students. You represent me. And so when you go out teaching what I taught, they're going to do to you the same thing. That's what Yeshua is saying right here in this text. So here we see a parallel with Matthew 23, 34, where Yeshua tells the scribes and Pharisees, I am sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues. Matthew 10, persecutions are predicted. Yeshua says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You'll go before Sanhedrins. You'll be brought before kings and governors. You'll be hated. Some of you will be flogged. Some of you will be killed. The I am sending is shown forth to be when Yeshua sends out his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. Now, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I found another text that goes along with this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 13 through 16. And a couple mornings ago, I decided to read some of the verses before this text. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to read the whole book of 1 Thessalonians. I want to get the context. And so I've read it before, but it's been a while. So I slowed down and read the 
whole book of 1 Thessalonians. I would encourage you to do that because you'll see that a big theme in Thessalonians is persecution. There was persecution for the assembly, the ecclesia, the church of Thessalonica. Uh, Before we go to chapter 2, look at chapter 1, verse uh, 5 and 6. Paul tells them, Paul is the author of the letter here, to the church of Thessalonica. Verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit, with much assurance. You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit. Verse 6, And you became imitators of us, Paul's writing, us, Paul and his companions, and of the Lord. And the Lord there is not the Father, the Lord there is the Son. Go back to verse 1 of the chapter and you'll see it speaks of God the Father and the Lord Yeshua the Christ. So they were imitators of Paul and his companions and of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, look at the next past, next sentence. When in spite of severe persecution, you welcome the message with the joy from the Holy Spirit. Paul came and preached the message to the church of Thessalonica and they received it with great joy of the Holy Spirit. Catch this though, in spite of severe persecution on that church at that time. Now there's some days I wake up out of bed and I have a lot of joy. And there's other days I wake up out of bed and I don't have any joy. You know, And it ain't because the devil stole it. It's just because this is life, right? Amen. Okay. I could not imagine waking up out of my bed or driving home tonight realizing that I could be murdered for the sake of my belief in the Messiah. That's what the Thessalonians were going through. They never knew when they would be killed or put in prison. Why? Not because they committed crimes, not because the police pulled them over, but because of their faith. Paul praises them. He says they're imitators of of me and of the Lord. When in spite of severe persecution, you still receive the Word with joy. Could you imagine? What if I'm here preaching tonight? I'm here preaching tonight to you guys and we're undergoing severe persecution. I'm not talking about somebody talking about you. That's not persecution. When somebody, somebody said, well, somebody talked about me the other day. They're, the devil's on my back. <laughs> Listen, you know, that's not good. Gossip isn't good. But that's not the persecution the Bible's talking about. These people were thrown in prison behind bars and still sang hymns to Yahweh. Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16. They would, would give their life for the Messiah. But yet they received the message with joy. That's the background. Read the whole book of 1 Thessalonians. That's the background of the book. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. This is the text that goes along with Matthew 10. Verse 13. Also, this is why we constantly thank the Almighty, because when you received the message about the Almighty that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is the message of the Almighty, which also works effectively in you believers. Paul is saying, when I came to preach the message, the good news of Yahweh about the Messiah to you, it came from human lips. Paul was the messenger, but you received it, Church of Thessalonica. You received it not as a human message, but for what it really is, a divine message, a word from Yahweh. And it's working in you. Paul's saying, I, I can see it. I see it working in you. How did Paul see it working in them? Their faith in spite of the persecution. They didn't give in. It didn't matter if somebody was going to kill them for their faith in Christ. It didn't matter to them. They still said, I'm joyous because I know that there is a resurrection. There's a resurrection. There's something better than this life. See, This isn't your best life now. It's your best life later. Tell the prophets that died and were murdered for Yahweh that they got to have their best life now. No. It's about your best life in the consummated kingdom. We have ups and downs, and some people have to be killed and murdered for faith in this life. But you still receive the message with joy because you know there's something greater, there's something better. That's what Paul is saying. The message that I preached 
is working in you. Old Thessalonican. Verse 14, he begins to explain it. This is why. For you, that's an that's a intro from verse 13 to 14. For you, brothers, became imitators of the Almighty's churches in the Christ Yeshua that are in Judea. Since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Judahites, who killed both the Lord Yeshua and the prophets and persecuted us. They displeased the Almighty and are hostile to everyone. These Judahites that killed the Master Yeshua, these are true Judahites. These aren't people that claim to be of Judah but are not genetic Judahites. These are true, thoroughbred, genetic Judahite Israelites that murdered Yeshua and the prophets. And they're hostile to everyone. What Paul is saying here in this, these two verses, he's praising the Thessalonians because the Thessalonians are undergoing persecution from their own countrymen. I'll get to that word here in a second. Just like the churches where? In Judea. And notice he calls them, the, the English Bible says God's churches in Christ Jesus or Yahweh's churches in the Messiah, Yeshua. Notice there are Yahweh's assemblies in the Messiah. See, these are different from the synagogues. The synagogues just claim to be assemblies, claim to be assemblies of Father Yahweh. See? But the ecclesia, the called out ones, were assemblies of Yahweh in Christ. And the synagogues that claimed to worship Father Yahweh, but didn't accept the Son, didn't really have the Father. You can't have the Father without the Son. If you deny the Son, you deny the Father. Just like, just like Matthew 10, when Yeshua said, if you deny my disciples I send out, you deny me. Same thing. So the Thessalonians are undergoing persecution from their own countrymen. That word countrymen there in the Greek is the Greek word sumphalates. Albert Barnes, Presbyterian commentator in the 1800s, and also Vincent's word studies on the New Testament, in the Greek New Testament. They, tr- they say that this word, symphalates, literally means one of the same tribe, race, kindred, or offspring. In the word symphalates, you have the word phile, P-H-Y-L-E. That is a word that is translated most often in the King James Bible as tribe. Like in Romans 11.1 and also in Philippians 3.5 where the Apostle Paul says that he's from the tribe of Benjamin, that's the Greek word phile. Symphalates means people of your own kind. The Thessalonians were suffering from people of their own tribe and Thessalonica countrymen just like the churches in Judea, the assemblies of Yahweh in Christ in Judea, were suffering persecution from people of their own tribe. What tribe might that be? You can say it. Judah. It's the churches in Judea. They're suffering persecution from Sumphalates in the Greek, people of their own countrymen, of their own tribe. Paul says that they killed both the Master Yeshua and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease Yahweh and are hostile to everyone. This is the rebellious Judahites. This is the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. Verse 16, hindering us from speaking to the nations so that they may be saved. As a result, they are always adding to the number of their sins. See that in verse 16? If you're reading the KJV or a lot of other translations, it says they fill up their sins always. Now, if you've been following along in Matthew 23, that should sound familiar because in Matthew 23, verse 32, Yeshua tells the scribes and Pharisees, Fill up then the measure of your father's sins. First Thessalonians two sixteen, they are always adding to the number of their sins. Sin is what? Transgression of the law. They're adding to the number of their sins. They're filling up their sins always, and wrath has overtaken them completely. This is rebellious Judah. This is all leading up to the divorce and the judgment upon the nation of Judah in the first century. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter two. Now, according to 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 16, 
Judahites, Judahite Israelites, murdered Yeshua and the prophets. And it's the same thing in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. We see this. In Acts chapter 2, let's start at verse 22. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. And Peter starts off here in verse 22 by addressing who? Men of Israel. Now, specifically, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 5. It's going to tell you who these men of Israel were. Acts 2, 5, there were Jews, more correctly, Judahites, living in Jerusalem, devout men. Devout means a law, righteous from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. Judahites from every nation under heaven had came to Jerusalem, dwelling in Jerusalem. Why? For the feast. Feast of Pentecost, Acts 2.1, when it was fully come. Verse 22, he calls them men of Israel. No problem, because Judah is one of the tribes of Israel. So that's the only people that Peter's talking to in Acts chapter 2. Okay? Listen to these words. This Yeshua of Nazareth was a man. Some people don't believe he was a man. Peter says he was. He was a man, Anthropos, pointed out to you by the Almighty. Notice Yeshua is a man, and he was pointed out to the men of Israel by who? The Almighty. Notice the separation of the Father and the Son. The Almighty and the Son. How was he pointed out? With miracles, wonders, and signs that the Almighty did among you through Him. So who did the miracles, wonders, and signs? Yahweh, the Almighty. How did He do them? Through Yeshua of Nazareth. Just as you yourselves know, verse 23, though He was delivered up according to Yahweh's determined plan and foreknowledge, you, circle that pronoun you, who does that you refer to? It has to go back to the men of Israel. That's the only people He's talking to in the chapter. You, men of Israel, used lawless people to nail him to a cross and to kill him. The lawless people, anomos in the Greek, is the Romans that they used. But the Romans, especially Pilate, remember Pilate, Pilate said, I wash my hands from this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. My wife had a dream last night and she said, stay away from this. But the Judahites, the men of Israel, cried out, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. You used lawless people to nail Him to a cross and to kill Him, but the Almighty raised Him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for Him to be held by it. Now, look at verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that the Almighty has made this Yeshua whom you crucified, both Lord, that is master of Psalm 110, where Yahweh speaks to David's master. Yahweh made him master. Had Yahweh not made him master, he wouldn't be master. But Yahweh appointed him that title and Messiah, which means the anointed one. Let all who? The house of Israel, who he's preaching to. The ones who used lawless people to crucify our Lord. And so in verse 37, when they hear, they hear this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? Who, who is that asking the question? It's the men of Israel asking the question. And Peter tells them, you've got to repent. Now, they're, remember, verse 5 says they're devout. They're devout. They're at the feast. What do they have to repent from? Denying the Messiah. The greatest sin that you could ever commit. Denying the one that was sent to them. Look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 verse 11. This is right after Peter, through the power of Yahweh, healed this lame man. In verse 11 he says, While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people greatly amazed ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. The man holding on to Peter and John was the man that had been healed. And the reason he was holding on to him is because he was so thankful that he was healed. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. What does he say? If you're following in your Bible. Men of Israel. So who is Peter talking to in Acts 3? 
men of Israel. You can't throw anybody else in there. Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or holiness we had made him walk. The mighty one of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the mighty one of our fathers, has glorified his servant Yeshua. Notice again, we have the mighty one of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, that's Yahweh. And he glorifies his servant Yeshua, just like Acts 2. Same message. Nothing in Acts 2. There was no message in Acts 2 about any oneness, trinity, nothing. It was all about Yahweh glorifying His Son. When they killed Him, He raised Him from the dead. That was the gospel message then, and it's still the gospel message today. And He's preaching it here to the men of Israel. Notice in verse 13, let's read that again. The mighty one of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the mighty one of our fathers has glorified his servant Yeshua, whom you handed over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Follow the pronouns. Who is the you? It's the men of Israel. They handed the Messiah over and denied him in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, Pilate didn't want to kill him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. I'll get to that here in a second, who that was. And you killed the source of life whom Yahweh, or the Almighty, raised from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. By faith in His name, His name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Him has given Him this perfect help in front of all you. And now, brothers... Who's Peter talking to? The men of Israel. The kinsmen. And now, brothers, I know that you did it in ignorance. I know that you did it ignorantly, just as your leaders did. What did Stephen say in Acts 7? Lay not this sin to their charge. I know you don't realize what you're doing. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said, had they have known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I know that you did it in ignorance, just as your leaders also did But what the Almighty predicted through the mouth of all the prophets that His Messiah would suffer, He has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, repent and turn back. Who? The men of Israel. Repent. Turn back. That your sins may be wiped out so that the seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and He may send Yeshua who has been appointed Messiah for you. Repent. He tells the men of Israel. Look at Matthew chapter 27. Now, we just read this, that it was the men of Israel, specifically the Judahites, that delivered up Yeshua to death in the presence of Pilate. And Matthew chapter 27 is where they did it. And there was a custom. We're going to read that there was a custom at the Passover, which is the time that Yeshua was crucified. There was a custom at the Passover for the Roman government to release one of the prisoners and set him free, even though he was guilty. And Pilate gave the Judahites an opportunity to release Yeshua, who is called the Messiah. But they didn't. They released a man that most people know as Barabbas. But that was not his name. Barabbas was not his name. I'm going to show you something right here. A lot of people don't know about this. Matthew 27, 15 through 16. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner. Notorious means everybody knew that he was a prisoner because he was a, he was a murderer. When you read the Gospels, he was a known murderer. Everybody knew it. And it says called Barabbas. Did you know that the older Greek manuscripts call this man Yeshua Barabbas? or some people may say Jesus Barabbas. And that Barabbas is Bar-Abba, like in Matthew 16 where he calls Peter Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar is the Aramaic word for son, Simon son of Jonah. This man's name was actually Yeshua Bar-Abba. And many commentators translate or say that Bar-Abba means son of a father, and it's because nobody knew who his daddy was. He was a bastard. And Pilate is saying here in this text, look at this, Pilate is saying in verse 17, 
So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it that you want me to release for you? The older manuscripts say, Yeshua, son of a father? The bastard, Yeshua? Or Yeshua, who is called the Messiah? See, Two men, same name, but they had different titles. One was the son of a father, the bastard Yeshua. The other one was the son of the father, Almighty Yahweh. And they picked the bastard instead of the one that Yahweh sent. Release Yeshua, son of a father. Why did they pick him? Well, they were so upset with Yeshua. We've been going through Matthew chapter 23. You remember how he railroaded them? Woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you. Verse 18, for he knew they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For today I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him. The chief priest and the elders, same people we've been talking about all through the Gospel of Matthew, however persuaded the crowds to ask for Bar Abba and to execute Yeshua. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Bar-Abba, they answered. Pilate asked them, What should I do then with Yeshua, who is called Messiah? They all answered, Crucify Him! That's the men of Judah saying that. Rebellious Judah. Just like, they, just like their ancestors murdered the prophets, here they are wanting to murder the ultimate prophet, the son of Yahweh. Then he said, Why? What has he done? But they just kept shouting, Crucify Him! All the more. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, which is this is just dumb to say, but all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And it was. Yahweh did judge them. I don't have time to get into that, but Yahweh did judge them for what they did to Yeshua. And then he released Bar-Abba to them, but after having Yeshua flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. There's a man by the name of Origen. He's called an early church father. He lived in the 200s A.D., the 3rd century A.D. And Origen comments that not all of the Greek manuscripts of Matthew 27 call Bar-Abba Yeshua, but the older ones do. Origen says he thinks that it really shouldn't say that because he doesn't want to place the name Yeshua onto a murderer. But when you know history, Yeshua was a very common name in the first century Israel. Very common name that people would name their children. The fact remains that this Bar Abba was Yeshua, son of a father, and nobody knew who his dad was. And because the Judahites were so rebellious against Yahweh at this point in time and hated Yahweh's son, remember the parable of the vineyard. He said, finally, I'll send my son... Surely they'll respect my son. But they killed him and kicked him out of the vineyard. Let's take his inheritance and seize him. Last passage, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, familiar text, but I want you to see how this is going to come together now. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Now I want you to meditate on that about everything we went through tonight. What all we have went through tonight explains John 1, verse 11. He came to his own. This is talking about Yeshua the Messiah. Who did he come to? He came to Israel, but specifically though, who was his own? Judah. Hebrews seven fourteen. Surely our master was an offspring of Yehuda, Judah, the tribe. He came to his own men means he came to Judah and his own, his own received him not. But, the good news is, but to all who did receive him, see, there were some in Judah that did receive him. To all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of the Almighty to those who believe in his name. You do not, if you're an Israelite, you do not have the right to be called a child of Yahweh unless you receive Yeshua. 
according to this verse. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of Yahweh. And do you know it's been like that all throughout the history of time? It was only the righteous remnant of Israel that were in relationship with Yahweh. Those that rebelled against him, those that turned behind his back, they didn't have a relationship with Yahweh. They whored on Yahweh. They played the adulteress on Yahweh. Only those that receive Yeshua receive the Son. Verse 13, who were born, this is still talking about those that receive the Son, who were born not of blood, that's natural birth, or of the will of the flesh, that's our human will, or of the will of man, that's even more our human will, but of the Almighty. Only those who receive Yeshua are those who are born of Yahweh. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Three negatives, one positive, but of Yahweh. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of Yahweh. Next week, Matthew 23, verses 35 through 36. Let's stand and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of fellowship, studying your word. Father Yahweh, I ask right now that you would bring the scriptures that we went back over. I pray that people would take them home and be Bereans. They receive the word, but they would be Bereans and study the scriptures daily to see if these things be so. Father, we lift up Sister Bev's unspoken prayer requests. Touch them. Sister Dorothy, heal her, Father Yahweh and bring her back so we can meet, visit with her again. And also Danae, Sister Danae and, and their family, any of them that are not still not feeling well. Father, I pray these things to you, Holy Father, through your Son, Yeshua of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. God, we bless you. Shalom.